Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Chelsea supporters here at the Blue Day podcast. I am truly delighted to welcome this individual on the podcast today. He made 40 appearances for the club, scoring five goals. He scored against clubs such as Liverpool and Tottenham and played with the likes of Marcel Desailly, Gianfranco Zola and a certain John Terry. Here is Biani Goldbeck. Biani, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm actually quite fine. Winter is coming up, but I'm prepared. <laughs> well, for those that won't be able to see, I can see obviously the backdrops from your house, and the snow looks very picturesque. It is. I'm uh, actually been living in Switzerland for some years now, and uh, one of one of the reasons I'm living here is uh, uh, this this beautiful picturesque winter weather. So I like the snow. So uh, uh, it's been here now for a couple of days. So uh, so I'm I'm, I'm very very happy about that and looking forward to the rest of the winter. Good. I can just see your uh, skis as well in the background as well. So I can <laughs> see you'll be doing that later on. But Bjarne, the reason why I've got you on the podcast today, we're going to look back on your Chelsea career. Um, it's quite amazing, obviously, when we discussed it sort of, uh, before recording how long it's been, but it doesn't seem that long ago. So I'll ask this sort of question, as I've done to my other guests, Biani. Did you have any influences when it came to deciding to become a professional footballer all those years ago? Uh, that's really many, many years ago when I decided to be a professional. For a long time, it was just like a dream. I didn't really think that that would be uh, realistic. But 15, 16 years of age, it started to, to be very 
realistic because I started to play for the for the youth national team of Denmark and uh, uh, the first inquiries came up and uh, my parents they really stopped me I have a I had an app uh, more offers when or several offers when I was 16 to leave Denmark um, but they uh, insisted to uh, to finish school so uh, I had to wait until till I got 18 and then I went off to Schalke 04 in Germany um, but it was only the last two years from 16 to 18 I realized, well, this, this can happen actually. At the time when you was sort of going through school and then you was having clubs that were looking at you around that time, did you have any idols growing up while you was watching football? Yes, actually I had. Um, I was living in the southern of Denmark and this was uh, the time before uh, having 500 channels at home. We had like five channels and before, because it was the south of Denmark, we had German television. So I was looking a lot into the Bundesliga and um, there was a Danish player called Alan Simonsen. He was voted player of Europe in 1977. So, and he played for Mönchengladbach and that was one of the really big teams in the seventies. And so, so I was actually a Mönchengladbach fan and Alan Simonsen fan when I was, uh, when I was a kid, mainly due to this, uh, to this German television we could receive at home. And on top of obviously what you've mentioned about obviously where you was and how big the German Bundesliga was, was it quite popular back in Denmark? Whereas, you know, you, you'd have your own Danish league, but how popular was the German Bundesliga in Denmark at that time as well? Oh, that was massive. It was the German Bundesliga and the English league. It was not Premier League at that time. I think it was just called First Division, or I, I don't remember anymore. Um, but uh, that was the, the main two leagues you could you could receive. You couldn't see any French or Spanish or Italian football like nowadays. So that was the two leagues to to watch. That was the English and the German, and that was definitely uh, uh, the, the the teams you knew that was through the television and. Uh, it was before satellite. It was before uh, before uh, internet television. So it was very limited what you could see. Now, I want to fast forward from your career. So you started out at Schalke, but I want to talk about a particular moment in time back in 1998 when you was playing for FC Copenhagen. Now, the circumstances surrounding you signing for Chelsea are quite unique and I can't imagine it happening again anytime soon. Earlier on in the 98-99 season, you played for FC Copenhagen against Chelsea in the now-defunct UEFA Cup Winners' Cup. A couple of months later, you would end up joining Chelsea as part of a deal that would result in Brian Laudrup, who signed for Chelsea that same summer, going to join Copenhagen. Now, one of the reasons why I I was very much looking forward to having you on the show is because... Your transfer to Chelsea has always fascinated me ever since I, I was a kid. And after all these years, take us back to that moment when you realised, firstly, that Chelsea were interested in you. And was it before Copenhagen played Chelsea in the Cup Winners' Cup in late 98? No, it was definitely after the second game we played. We played the first game at Stamford Bridge and uh, right. we drew, I scored, and we were very, very, very lucky to draw. Um, and then we played at home. We lost 1-0. Um, we played a quite good game. I had a quite good game myself. Um, I actually met up with the, with the sporting director of another English club after the game uh, uh, in, in Denmark. And uh, I, had, I had a couple of, of, uh, of opportunities to go to, to, to another Premier League club at that stage. But 
I very much remember two days later, I had a phone call in the afternoon and um, it was Gwyn Williams on the phone. And he said, well, we have uh, followed Copenhagen for a couple of months because we wanted to be prepared for those two matches. And in, in during these uh, preparations for the game, I had a couple of good games as well. So, so they've already seen me. They like me. At least he's told me that. And uh, at the same time, Brian Laudrup was not happy in, in, uh, in Chelsea. And uh, that's, that's where this idea was born. And um, then we just finalized this within, within short time because he wanted to go back. Copenhagen was desperate to sign Brian Laudrup because he was a massive transfer. He was, uh, he was a superstar in Denmark. And uh, I had, uh, my, my contract was expiring six months later in Copenhagen. So that was, and I was not really going to renew that anyway. So for them, it was just massive. Uh, they could offload me and they could get the superstar of Denmark back. And for me, it was a dream come true as well. I could, uh, I could try to play on the highest level again. I played in the Bundesliga for nine years and um, I was very much looking forward to, to play on that level to prove myself again. So that was uh, why it came up. Um, so the spot, Brian Laudrup is, of course, not the same kind of player that I was. Um, but they were looking for a, a little bit more of, of, of physical and running strength. Uh, at least they told me. <laughs> so, uh, so that was why this, uh, this swap came up. And, uh, and of course, Chelsea uh, um, received some money on top because the, uh, the value of Brian Laudrup, the transfer value was, was much higher than, than my value. So um, that was why it came up. I had doubts myself. Should I, should I go for one of these smaller uh, champion uh, Premier League clubs? And, 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 and of course, having bigger chances to, to be a regular starter, uh, or should I go for the top? And, and then I decided, well, not many players will receive an offer from, from Chelsea. And I, I thought I would have no guts if I don't go for that and prove myself. I really wanted to show myself how good can I be in a very, very good environment, training and playing with the best day in and day out. So that was like my, that was like my intention when I went to Chelsea. How good can I be? Was that what appealed to you to join Chelsea then? Was because of the competition, because of the standard that Chelsea were looking to set to be competitive to the likes of Arsenal and Man United at the time? Or was there maybe more of a cultural decision why you wanted to join Chelsea because of it being in London? And I'm going back a little bit in time. Uh, years before, I played in the Champions League with Kaiserslautern against uh, the dream team of uh, Barcelona with Johan Cruyff as a coach. And I remember coming back from that game uh, and I said to my wife, well, if I ever get an offer from Barcelona, I will play for free. Because if I could join this team and see how good can I be, it was a little bit the same with Chelsea. I didn't play for free at Chelsea, but uh, when that came up, uh, that was very much the same. How good can I be? I just remember when I looked at the squad, I think it was like 17 uh, uh, national players from, from big countries. Some of them were World Cup winners, the Frenchmen. And uh, Gianluca Viali as the coach was very profiled, everything. And and another reason why it was, of course, um, towards the Danish national team, it was a big prestige if I could play in a top team in the Premier League. That would definitely boost my career in the national team as well. Uh, it was less it was less the London thing. Um, right. Of course, I knew the weather in London is better than uh, Northern England. Um, and uh, but that was not that was not what really tricked me at that time. That was like 
how good can I be? And it was this, this whole package, this whole uh, prestige about being a Chelsea player as well. You mentioned Gianluca Vialli, who was the coach at the time. Did you have conversations with him before you signed about yeah. the, the club? And what was it with what he was saying to you that perhaps maybe persuaded you even more to sign for the club? I can very much remember my first time meeting him. I traveled over uh, and I have I, I had really decided, well, I'm going to sign. But um, I, I went to, to Harlington, to the training ground. Not fancy at all at that time, by the way. Uh, and uh, they have just finished training when I came in. And, and he was, of course, training as well because he was a player and, and coach at that time. And he was sitting in his office and I came in. I was wearing my best suit at that day because I have heard in England it's very conservative and, and you have to be well-dressed. So I w- went up with a suit, but no tie. And he was sitting in, in his chair and he was, his head was like fuming because he was still very warm from, from training. And, and, uh, and I asked him, well, uh, coach, where do you see my position? And, and he would just ask, yeah, I see it there and there. And uh, well, the, how, how do you see my chances to, to be a regular starter? And he said, just look at me. And he said, well, if you're confident, come and join in. I will be happy. It's up to you. You have to prove every day in training. And I said, well, that's enough for me. I don't want to hear anything else than that. That's good. So, so I was happy about that. And to be fair, the, the, the quality and the level in training was amazing high. And that was very much down to Gianluca Viali because he didn't give a shit. If, if some of the big players didn't perform in training or, or didn't show 100% commitment, he just picked him out, just took him out of the team. So the level of training was amazingly high. What was your first impressions of the club and your new teammates when you signed up? I mean, you mentioned about how training was efficient and it, it was a, a higher standard. Was there anything else that sort of struck you as completely different to what you was used to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. First of all, I was a little bit shocked about this Harlington uh, training uh, facility because we had the Heathrow Airport on the one side, you had the motorway on the other side. It was That's windy. Right. Yes. And at that time, at that time, the Concorde started every day at 1030. You couldn't hear anything for two minutes when that started, by the way. So it was not fancy at all at Harlington. But I remember the players. Um, I was just fascinating because it was all superstars. So I thought, oh, maybe you have to carry them to the training pitch to, to get them to train. <laughs> but that was not, not at all. There were some really good players with some really good attitude. And I think uh, or I know Viali was looking very much uh, to have the right attitude within the squad. And um, that that uh, surprised me a lot, that the level was that good. And all the players, they were so easygoing. No one had to prove towards some of the other players, I'm the better one, I'm the richer one. It was all on a very, very uh, uh, familiar level. And, and I just fit in straight away. And even we were... We were a lot of foreigners at that time at the club, but you had some English players within the club, and that was like that was like the spine of the club, like Dennis Wise, Dennis Wise and and uh, uh, Graham Lesso and uh, Ray Wilkins as assistant coach. That was like the spine. So it was very much English straight uh, uh, still, and it was very important. We were only talking English all over the place, and that was very important for for Viali as well. So there was this red line through the club. It's an English club, uh, and 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 we are we are foreigners, and we have to adapt, and and I like that attitude. You mentioned the great Ray Wilkins. He was 
assistant manager on a couple of occasions for Chelsea. His first stint being in the late 90s, early noughties. What was he like as a coach? Oh, he was first of all a great person, a gentleman. And he was the perfect uh, uh, assistant coach because he was he was a little bit sophisticated. He's been living in Italy and France. He could speak more languages. He knew exactly was it a good, what is a good food, was it what what is a good school, and so he could very much uh, um, uh, put himself into the place of the new foreign player coming in, and and at the same time he knew the English culture. He had a good humor. That was just a a great person, and. Uh, you can ask everyone, everyone will tell the same, that he's a great person or was a great person. So that was it. And on the on the pitch, yeah, the, the dominant person, of course, was, was Gianluca Bialy. He was very much involved. And, and Ray Wilkins was more like the guy picking up the players and, and, and having a chat with the players, keeping them in a good mood. And uh, but, but I think they were a very, very good uh, team. And uh, as I said, Ray Wilkins as a person, top now, am I right in saying it was within a week between you signing for Chelsea and then making your debut for the club, which was against Arsenal in the League Cup? Looking back now, how did this particular week affect you both mentally in terms of professionally and personally? Bearing in mind you signed for the club, you joined training with your new teammates and then all of a sudden you're straight away in the Lions' den in a sense, in starting for Chelsea in a big game against their London rivals? I think it was within days. I think I signed on a Monday, mm. trained Tuesday, and we played Wednesday. I think it was that way. And uh, I still remember that game very much. We played at Highbury. Yes, right. In November, normally you have a shit pitch in November, mm. but this was like a curtain. And 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 the stadium, was it, it was such a uh, charismatic stadium, I think. And um, that was just uh, a big experience. We're winning 5-0. And I remember uh, having assisting, uh, I assisted one goal for, for Gianluca Viali. And I remember he coming to me after the game and said, well, as long as you assist me, you will play. <laughs> so uh, so that, was a, that was a great first experience, yeah. And uh, the atmosphere in, uh, uh, in this old uh, Highbury Stadium, that was great as well. And I just, I just can remember this pitch was just a curtain. And I just said, "Wow, this is uh, this is football on the highest level," and um, and of course that was that was a good way to start winning five 0 against Arsenal, even if it, it, it was the small cup, it was not the important cup. Well, to be fair, we was the holders of the competition at that point because we won it the season before, and as you say, beating Arsenal five 0 at Highbury, it didn't happen much back then. So. Whether or not it was their A team or B team, it was still a great moment for Chelsea fans that were there. And obviously, with you sort of settling in, you've games were coming thick and fast, and you you were starting a few sort of good games as well in that period. Did it take you a while to settle, or did it sort of just come at a natural pace for you? Uh, I think it was a big advantage for me that I had been playing in the Bundesliga before, so so I was quite used to play on the highest level. But still, the speed and the intensity of English football was still another thing. I remember one of the first away games, I think it was Leicester away in a shitty weather. That was just one big battle. And I was just after the game thinking, oh my God, I got bruises all over the body. Uh, and, and there was no help by the referee because he was not uh, 
he was not uh, trying to he was not giving you any kind of uh, of free kicks like I was used to it was just a more physical game but uh, as I said because I had been playing in Germany before I was quite used to be uh, or had been on that level before so it was not that big uh, step to adapt and it was very very easy within the group to adapt because all of we were many foreigners but as I said these English spine of the team uh, and they were very good to to pick up us as well up as well and uh, and that was just uh, that that made it easier definitely also in 1998 Chelsea academy star John Terry was breaking into the first team at this point what were your thoughts on JT and did you believe in 1998 that he would go on to have the career he has had I definitely didn't think that he would be that massive player that he went on to be I still remember him because he was the youngest kid coming in he he still was a little bit fluffy at that time he had a lot of muscles he had a big heart and I remember Tore Andre Flo a friend of mine he always when when he saw, saw John Terry in training he thought fucking hell he's coming again this young kid because he killed him all the time on the pitch and John Terry he was wild he was raw he was uh, a lot of muscles a lot of physique and, and a big heart but he didn't look very sophisticated in way of playing at that time. Right. But I think he picked up a lot from Marcel Desailly, especially. Um, and of course, Fon Le Boeuf as well. And, 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 and there were some really quality defenders at that time. Um, I definitely thought he's going to be a Premier League player. Definitely, because you could see his heart. You could see his determination. But that he should be the leader and, and uh, the face of Chelsea for 10 years. No, I couldn't see that at that time. Um, but But... He has done a lot with a big heart and with a lot of determination. All respect for that. With you being there as a witness in, in, in training, how crucial was it looking back again with Marcel Desailly and Frank Leboeuf being there to help John Terry become a better defender than perhaps what he was at the beginning of his career. How, how influential was Marcel and Frank to, to JT? They set higher standards. So John Terry had to try to climb these standards to, to get into the team. But I think very influential was players like, like Dennis Weiss or, or Gianfranco Sola, who was like really, really professionals, came as the first, left as the last. And that was, was John Terry picked up this professional attitude, like you have to do everything you have to come very early. You have to work your body. You have to take your treatment. You have to live in a certain way. You have to have your nutrition. You have to eat in another way. So he got this very, very professional environment. I think that was very important for him as a, as a, as a player. Um, and of course, if you have seen Marcel Desailly in, in, in play and, and you have to, to get just even close to him to get into the team, then you have a lot to work with, by the way. So high standards and a perfect environment around. Uh, um, and he was like the really, him and Jody Morris were, were the only young players in the team at that time. So we, we had a lot, they had a lot of people to, to, to connect to because there was not like 10 young kids we had to take care of. It was only two. Hmm. And um, John Terry uh, adapted very well. Jody Morris was a great player as well, but uh, uh, John Terry, I think, adapted even better. Now, it was against Nottingham Forest that you scored your first goals for the club. You, you scored a brace in that game. How pleased was you to finally get off the mark for Chelsea? 
I still remember that game because I actually scored twice in that game. And uh, yes, of course, that was a big one for me. And uh, in the weeks after, I actually scored some goals as well. So uh, it, it yes, was like, was it was say. like, it was like me believing in myself, scoring goals and, and my teammates as well. So uh, I, I, never had a, I never had a season in my career without scoring. So it was very much on time that I started scoring there. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you rightfully point out, a week later, you scored against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. And back in that time, of, we've stadiums been different and the atmosphere's been, been different to what they are now. What was the atmosphere like at Stamford Bridge to play in front of? It was very aggressive, I would say, in a good way. Um, and uh, that really helped you. you. I mean, you can't really get tired in a Premier League match. Even in the 17th minute when you start getting tired, when, when 40,000 are, are, are really that up for it and, and, and that passionate and that aggressive as well, you have, you have no excuses just to, to keep on running. So uh, that was like, uh, it was like a boost. It was like an in- injection of energy, I think. And um, especially that game against Liverpool was, was very emotional and aggressive as well because Liverpool had a player who was... Uh, I think uh, very much con- not convicted, but but uh, linked to be um, Robbie Fowler. It was yeah, he was uh, he was he was very provocating all the time. And uh, yes, this was the game that he and Graham Lasso had a exactly. bit of play, argy bargy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you remember I, that well? I think I think that was the game when he took the line as well, the cocaine line after scoring. I think that was the game as well. Well, he was he was uh, suspended afterwards. Mm. So, yeah, I remember that Graham Lusso, a great person, calm person, intelligent person, but he was on fire in that game because of, uh, yeah, because of all these uh, incidents during the game. And t- towards the end of that 98-99 season, we were still challenging for the league championship. How good, looking back, was this team? As you mentioned, the amount of international stars we had. And was you surprised that Chelsea didn't end up winning anything that season actually yes I think we had a great team we just had too many draws that season we were very hard to beat and and uh, and we could score goals as well uh, even on a bad day Gianfranco Sola could score a goal out of nowhere um, a lot of good strikers uh, Viali was playing quite a lot that season still and um, yes I think we could we should have won something in that season uh, we were not far off I think it was Man U and Arsenal uh, in front of us but uh, that was definitely a very, very good team. A lot of experience uh, and and still a lot of hunger. And um, yeah, I, I I still believe that we could and should have done better. Because I, I was watching the season review while doing the research for this interview. And one game for me that sticks out is that 2-2 draw against Leicester at Stamford Bridge, where we were 2-0 up and then within six minutes, eight minutes, we conceded two goals and it ended up being 2-2. Do you remember this game well, Bjarne? And what was said at the dressing room at full time? Because there are rumours of players blaming each other and perhaps blaming the coach Viali for his tactics after being 2-0 up. Could you perhaps sort of clear up any sort of rumours and what what happened after that game in the dressing room? And what were your thoughts after that game? My thoughts and and, and the thoughts I had of the dressing room was was just like an emptiness. There was just like a hole there was like a realistic 
uh, a realisticness about, well, this is over now. We're not going to win. Uh, it was just like, I, I, I can't remember any, any tough situations down there. I can just remember that it was like a big, big, big disappointment. And, and there was just an emptiness. And, and, uh, and we have had this uh, tension all the time that we could go for it. And we just, we just threw it away. That was like uh, the atmosphere in the dressing room afterwards. Yeah. There was more blaming ourselves, in my opinion. What did Viali say? Was he talking about the game itself or was he trying to pick holes in certain players' performances? What was sort of his reaction to it? I, I can't really m- remember, to be fair, but I can really remember that it was like if you had a full balloon and that was like the air was out of that balloon afterwards. That was my feeling and, and that was my impression, yeah. And of course, there were, there were world champions in there. They, they have just won the, the, the greatest thing. And, and we just, we've just thrown that away ourselves. A few weeks later, 10th of May 1999, Chelsea away at White Hart Lane, although Chelsea fans still call it Three Point Lane to this day. Chelsea needed a win to keep their slim hopes of winning that league title alive. We go 2-1 down and all of a sudden the ball's played to you. You take a lovely touch forward and you score a fabulous finish, which I'm right in saying I believe was right up there with goal of the season in the in the Premier League. You was immediately congratulated by Dennis Wise and Albert Ferrer. But when I remember seeing the goal back, you looked quite shocked that it went in. Was this the best goal that you scored? And what are your memories of this particular game? <laughs> I actually had a shot later on in the game. I, I hit it very well as well. And I thought, well, this is going to be the second one, but it was just wide. Um, no, I I like to shoot quite a lot from outside and I scored quite a lot from outside in the other leagues as well. But I remember the players sometimes in training say, oh no, fuck, he's shooting again. It's going to go all over the place. So when I scored there, uh, um, I, I, I really can remember when I hit the ball. Sometimes when you hit the ball, you just think, oh, that, that could be massive because you just hit it person. You had a- absolutely no resistance. It's just like your foot just went through something. And when I hit that ball, I thought, oh my God, this could be something. And uh, when it went top corner, I was just like, wow. And I didn't ha- really have the time to realize it. And, and then the first players were there to gradu- uh, congratulating me. But uh, after the game, uh, I actually realized that uh, I have kept a, a quite uh, important statistic for Chelsea. I think they hadn't lost against uh, Tottenham for 18 years or something like that when, when, uh, when, we, when we drew that. So, well, we couldn't really use that draw for anything towards being champions. But... Uh, at least I I, uh, I saved that st- statistic and uh, and that goal is is very much still a, alive. Um, I yes. remember my youngest son coming coming home from school like I don't know ten years ago, and he said to me, "Well, uh, someone in the school has shown him a, a goal of mine from from YouTube," and I said, "Well, yeah, well this one," and I didn't even know there was uh, on on YouTube that goal. So so since then I'm aware of, of, of that as well. <laughs> It, it, as you say, it was it was a lovely strike. It did keep up our unbeaten record against Tottenham, and also it, it helped us achieve Champions League football at, at the end of that season, which was massive for the club. Chelsea didn't get to the stage where they were achieving Champions League football year in year out. Now, according to my research as well, the summer of 1999, Chelsea were apparently listening to offers for you. Um, is it true that? Birmingham City and Nottingham Forest 
tried to sign you from Chelsea in, in the summer? Yeah, in the summer, I was quite, uh, quite surprised. I was in Denmark on holiday and I was confronted from some journalists calling me and said, well, uh, Chelsea is uh, trying to sell you. They want to offload you. Uh, and I just thought, mm, I had a good season. I scored goals. Uh, I actually did better than everybody expected. Um, but uh, when I came back on the training ground, uh, I was called in and uh, said, well, we got some offers for you. Um, and uh, we will. Uh, we don't want to send you away. But uh, just to let you know, we're bringing someone in um, for your position. And uh, you will not play with number seven anymore. And um, so it was very made very clear to me, it's better for you to leave. And... Um, and I was, I was, of course, extremely disappointed because I've just uh, moved there and I thought that I have uh, done a good job. Um, but um, I went to, to Nottingham Forest and had a chat with, uh, with the coach at that time, which was, um, was it when, no, it was an Italian coach, what's his name? He was a good friend of, of, uh, of Viali. Um, uh, I can't remember his name now. Um, and then I thought, well, it's all nice. They're all nice to me and, and, and all stuff. But because of my family, my, we just moved over there. My son was happy in the school. And, 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 and I thought, no, I'm not running away from this one here. I will, uh, I will challenge this one. I will get back into the team. That was my thought. And um, yeah, I tried, but um, I didn't really get into the team. I had a back injury as well. And um, so it, it slided away this, this half season for me. And um and then the Euro 2000 coming up, Denmark was qualified and the national team coach told me, well, you have to play if you want to join in for the, for the Euro 2000. And that was like a, a big task for me, a, a big target. And uh, I had several options uh, in the Premier League as well. But uh, because of the family situation, uh, I, I decided to stay in, in, uh, in London. And um, again, Ray Wilkins uh, was the link to, to Fulham. He, he said, well, they are really, really interested and uh, it's a good club, Bjarne. You can definitely do that. And uh, I think I think they have a, a bright future. They have a, a good setup. And uh, so I, I, I moved to, to Fulham. But that was mainly because uh, I needed, desperately needed to play to, to qualify for the Euro 2000 with the Danish national team. Rewinding back a little bit to that summer of 99, you was... You you did have the number seven shirt for Chelsea, and then I believe Chelsea signed Didier Deschamps, and he took the number seven shirt. Was you told prior to that that you you would be changing shirt number, or did they sort of spring it on you last minute about the changing of the shirt number? Uh, the way I remember it was, I came back from holiday, and on the first training session, they told me they they called me in and told me. We got three offers for you. Uh, you're going to leave your. You're going to lose your shirt number, uh, and uh, so they made it very clear for me. Well, it's better for you to leave now, and uh, yeah, I was very close to do it. But at the same time, I felt that that I have delivered, and uh, but well, you can't buy anything for that next season. And uh, of course, Deschamps was a great player, big player coming in, World Cup winner as well. So uh, I should probably have left there to, to make the most of my career. Um, half a year later, I moved on. I moved on to the championship. And uh, luckily, we, we went back to the Premier League the year after with Fulham. But uh, 
uh, if I should have only have looked at my at my own career, then I should have moved in the summer there because it was very obvious that that there was no space for me anymore in in, in their plans. And sort of looking back, whose decision was it? Was it more of the club's decision or was it actually Viali's decision? Because you mentioned that Chelsea were trying to sign other players. I believe it was Gabriel Ambrosetti that they signed to play on the wing as well. So was it Viali's decision that they he wanted to let you go or was it the club's decision because they were getting offers of decent money for you? Viali was very fair to me. Um, he said, well, Bjarne, you delivered. I'm happy to have you here. Um, but you decide yourself. If you want to stay, you will be treated perfectly as you deserved. If you want to leave to boost your career, you're, you are, uh, you're free to leave. And uh, why can't I remember the name of the, of the coach anymore in, in Forest? Because it, it was a former teammate of, of uh, Viali in Italy. And, uh, and he said, you can go there. He's a great guy. Uh, I have spoken warmly about you. Uh, uh, everything's okay. And uh, when I came back after that meeting and I said, no, I decide to stay, it was okay. I was treated 100% the right way. But uh, of course, it was a long way to the, to the starting 11. Hmm. Um, so I don't really know. It was probably, of course, Vialli who wanted to strengthen the team and he, he got the possibility to sign uh, Deschamps. And um, yeah, unluckily for me, he was a midfielder as well. And uh, later on, they, they signed Ambosetti as well. So yeah. yeah, that was a hard competition. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, I should have probably moved in the summer uh, to get the most out of my own career. Because you did make a handful of appearances for Chelsea in the 99-2000 season. You did play in the Champions League, albeit in the final qualifying round against um, Skonto Riga. Looking back, how significant was it to, for Chelsea to be in the Champions League at this point, bearing in mind the club weren't in the competition season in, season out? And was you looking at them sort of games in Europe and even in the league as maybe an opportunity to put yourself in the shop window for other clubs? I didn't really see it as a putting myself in a shop window, right. but, but it was an opportunity for me to play because we had these amount of, of, of matches and uh, that was the, uh, the chance for Viali to, uh, to rest some of the other players. So it, for me, it was an opportunity to play, firstly for myself and, and uh, uh, for my own career. Uh, but not really the shop window because uh, everybody really know a player if you play at Chelsea. But you could feel that Chelsea was was a growing club at that time. Uh, Chelsea was not at all what Chelsea is right now. Uh, Chelsea was was an I wouldn't say a new kid on the block, but it was like a, a, a club growing at that time. So it was not for sure that you would play Champions League every day uh, or every year. So it was very very important uh, for all these international stars in the team as well to play to play. Uh, Champions League and at that time you didn't have that many teams in the Champions League as now I think as well so it was not that easy to get in there so it was a big thing for the club uh, and, and, and a big prestige to be in there um, definitely now it's like it's a must-have every year for the club but at that time it was like a big topping and that was an important thing to see the club, uh, the, the club growing at that time. You mentioned just earlier that you joined Fulham uh, in in the January of 2000, you mentioned that Ray Wilkins played a part in that. I believe the fee was around £800,000 that Chelsea sold you for. 
did you have any conversations sort of before you left with Viali about your about about your time there? What was what was said from your teammates? Were they surprised that you were leaving? Was there any conversations with them about your departure from the club? I mainly spoke to Ray Wilkins because he has been coach himself in Fulham a couple of years ago, and um, and he knew all the staff, he knew uh, the owner, he knew everything, mm. and. Uh, and he and he hardly recommended me that because he said, Bjarne, you you're gonna like that there, and that's gonna fit to you." And um, I remember speaking to Viali as well, and he just wished me all the best and said, "Thank you very much, and and uh, really respect. Uh, you don't have to leave. You can stay if you want. Blah blah blah." But uh, it was time to leave because of this Danish national team, and uh, uh, I had a I had a good farewell with everybody. So uh, it was definitely my no one forced me out. It was my own decision because this this World Cup was coming up and uh, I, I desperately needed to play football. And, uh, and they came up with, uh, with a quite, quite good setup, I think. And uh, they, they had Premier League on their, on, on their, on their timeline uh, as, as quick as possible. And they but, did but get the main... promoted, I believe, at the end yeah. of that season, didn't they? So you was able to play in the Premier League once again yeah. for Fulham. So it worked out for you. No, we, when I first came there, it was a big culture clash because you came from that extremely professional environment in, in, in Chelsea. Yeah. Not in terms of training facilities because they were not professional at all at, at Harlequin, but the whole staff and all the players, extremely professional. And then you went to Fulham that, and, and I was just shocked. But then luckily, Jean Tigana came in as a coach. He changed everything. Uh, and we had the same environment there and, and, yeah, we went back to the to the Premier League, so so it all came in in a good way. Now I want to talk about current events at this moment in time, and one thing that has partly reared its ugly head a little bit. Some people hate it, some people are for it. Is VAR, and I've asked this question to all my guests, Biani. So I want to ask you the same thing. What what are your thoughts on VAR? Are you are you a proponent for it? Do you feel that it needs to be tweaked still? What's your feelings on VAR? I have very mixed feelings as well. Um, I think we should we should uh, forget this uh, everything to be right in the world because the world is not right or fair every time. And a football game isn't that either. There will still be grey zones. You can put 200 cameras. There will still be grey zones within a game. Um, actually, I... I am I'm pro VAR because you can stop the really nasty things on the pitch, like elbowing someone and the referee don't see it. You can you can of course get the clear offsides or not, and uh, but but we should have we should have rules when to use VAR and and uh, not like going twenty seconds back in the game and there was a small fault uh, uh, twenty seconds before before scoring the goal. Um, I still think we haven't found the right balance how much to use VAR and when to use VAR. When we find that balance or if we could do something like in tennis that you have like three times the possibility to say, well, stop, I want to use VAR now, then then it could, I think it's it's a good uh, instrument to have. It's a good uh, tool to have, but it should, it should be more uh, regulated when to use it uh, and for what. But but actually, I am pro VAR in that. Uh, but not like twenty stops in a game. We should be limited, and that should be like in other sports. 
you raise the hand and say, well, please, I want to see VAR on this one. Even if, if the referee gets a, a message in, him, in his ear, well, this is a bad tackle. Please have a look at it yourself. He's standing in front of, of, of his monitor, 50,000 waiting for him to take a decision. And he can watch that 10 times. He can still not be 100% sure. There's still a gray zone. Is it yellow? Is it red? Um, so it, it's, it's still down to the referee to take the last decision. But, but all these arguments with the players, is it a foul or not? Or, or is, it a, is it a goal or not? Or is it, is it an offside or not? That, that's out of the game. Uh, so, so I like that. And uh, I think when we, when we learn to use the tool better and better, I think we get a more fair game. Just a couple of questions before we finish, Bjorn. Um, in regards to Chelsea now, Chelsea in 2021, current European champions, what's been your thoughts on Chelsea? Have you, have you seen much of them within the last couple of years? And sort of, how, have you been impressed with them? Have you been sort of impressed with how they've been playing? Or has there sort of been that other things that you've admired about with Chelsea? I think Chelsea had different styles of football in the last century, uh, depending which coach. Um, but right now, I think they have a coach for the future, Thomas Tuchel. Uh, I followed him a lot because of the German Bundesliga. Mm. And uh, he is very much aware of what kind of football he wants to play. And he's still a young guy. I think you can have consistency with him. You can have, uh, you can have uh, a lot of success the next year's. Not for sure, but very much, but very much close to be for sure. If you can uh, keep him happy and, uh, and, and you can provide him with the players you want to, I think that, that Chelsea could be massive even more in the next years because uh, he's got a clear philosophy of playing football. And I think they are playing very attractive football now. Uh, there have been seasons, Chelsea won something. They won trophies, but not being really, really super attractive to watch. Now I think they have the whole package. They are attractive to watch and they are very successful as well. And they can be that for, for many years now. And final question, Piani. And again, thank you for your time on, on the podcast today. How do you look back on your career at Chelsea? It was definitely a highlight. It was quite late in my career because it was the late 90, uh, the late twenties of my career, but that boosted me, my career. Definitely. I got uh, a much bigger impact in the Danish national team. I was definitely uh, um, on, an, on another level there. And it was probably, um, I, was, I was German champion earlier in my career. Um, but, but I would say it was the most consistent football on the highest level I probably played myself in my career at Chelsea. And it was a big uh, adventure as well. Um, getting getting into the Premier League and then playing in, in in such a prestigious team. And uh, you mentioned London before. Yes, I did know that London was so fascinating as well. And uh, so so that came on top on everything. But that was definitely not in my mind when I went to Chelsea. I went to Chelsea to see how good uh, can I actually be. And I got the answer. Uh, I, I couldn't play better than this. Uh, so... I really think I did the right, I, I took the right move at that time. I'm, I'm really happy I did. I learned a lot of uh, great persons for life. So uh, I couldn't ask for more, really. Well, Bjarni, I couldn't have asked for more with this interview. I, again, I appreciate your time on, on the podcast today. And hopefully we'll see you back at the bridge one day supporting the mighty Chelsea again. 
I definitely will be back. I'm normally getting to London a couple of times a year. And uh, that's another thing about Chelsea. You, you even have a department for ex-players. You can call up there and, and they will help you with a ticket. And uh, you're feeling very welcome there as well. And, and uh, that's, that's something what's, what's, what's really is important for a player as well after a career. Just to, to, to have the feeling, okay, you can come back and, 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 and they're happy to see you. And uh, I will definitely be back, yes. Superb. Biani, all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network.